Hello and welcome to the live stream of Backstage Podcast. I'm Alec Johnson and this is a weekly show where I interview fellow live streamers to understand how they're using live streaming as a tool in their business and to discover the tech, the gear and the software that they use to produce great live shows. My guest today is Chris Giles. Chris is the founder and lead creator at Black Tie Media, where they offer content creation, production, repurposing, and consultation services to help entrepreneurs and content creators navigate and monetize in this digital world. Now, obviously an experienced content creator and a tech live streamer himself, Chris has also has over two decades of experience in the entertainment and live events industry, where he has done everything from DJing, audio engineering, video engineering, and more for live and virtual events. Now, of course, during the pandemic, organizers were forced into taking their events online as purely virtual events. And this no doubt drove rapid development of the platform's infrastructure and methods used to deliver these events, and certainly has been something that we've all since benefited from in the wider live streaming space. Now that the world has opened back up, folks are obviously keen to uh, have those face-to-face meetups once again, and so the in-person live events have naturally returned. However, virtual events are still very much here to stay, and there's also been a high prevalence of hybrid events uh, giving options on how folks can attend. So I'm really keen to understand more about Chris's experience of all of these types of events and the pros and cons he sees with each. I also want to learn more about the technical challenges faced as an organizer of uh, online events and what are some of the things that we should be aware of when considering producing a virtual or hybrid event uh, and what are some of the steps that we can take to give it that best possible chance of success. Lots to talk about then, so let's welcome Chris Giles. Hey, Chris. Thanks for being here. Hey, what's going on, man? How you feeling? I'm good, thanks. Great to great to see you. Perhaps you could uh, start by sort of giving it a little bit more of a background into, uh, you know, obviously you've got a vast experience with uh, with events and uh, talk a little bit about that and how you got into the sort of live uh, live event space as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, man, live events, um, honestly, on the, the origination of it was me, it was church life, man. So in, in the church, I was looking for a reason to not have to sit in the church. And so I was like, hey, what's that booth back there with all the electronics? <laughs> let me uh, let me learn what they do, right? And and so I started that, honestly, when I was 16. And then so um, kind of right out of there, did that for a couple of years. And then um, as I graduated high school, I got into DJing and started learning about um, kind of how to go and make money in the industry because before, right, it was just doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just honestly developed in, between me DJing and then doing it at churches to, um, man, I guess I've been doing it about technically like 10 years as a professional, just the actual audio engineering at live events. Mm-hmm. So I kind of came across an opportunity uh, to go and actually start running audio at these live corporate events, live concerts and things like that. And um, it Man, honestly, I've been loving music since forever. And so that's, it's always been something that's been in me and it just kind of developed into being in a live event space. Uh-huh. And and how about the sort of the, the live streamed events? Obviously, that's another ball game altogether. When did you sort of get into that side of things? Was that uh, pandemic or pre-pandemic or how, how did that work out? Man, so funny. I, uh, I was in the gaming. And so that's really where I started to learn it because I was like, Oh, all these guys are, you know, they're getting paid to play video games live. I want to uh-huh. learn what to do what they do. And so I was doing it for fun. Um, honestly, this is probably 2017, 2018. Right. And, um, so I'd honestly, I started one of the companies I was working with out of DC. I was trying to convince them. I'm like, Hey, we're already doing these events. And they were like, a lot of times what we were having to do, we would literally do the audio video lighting of the event. And they would have to hire another company to come in to just live stream. And I'm talking literally, mm-hmm. we give them an audio video feed 
and they're just switching. They're just right. literally just. <laughs> and I was like, guys, we can do it, and now we can we can just charge more. Mm-hmm. And they weren't buying it at first, man. They weren't they weren't getting into it, and then so I just kept doing it for fun. And then, like you said, twenty twenty hit, and it was kind of like. Oh my gosh, how do we do this? And I was like, guys, I've been telling you this for so long. Like it's it's easy. And so um, I mean, that was it. That was the way to get forced into it. And mm-hmm. anywhere from, you know, large events where you're trying to do a lot of switching between four or five cameras to people just trying to do a Zoom meeting, right? And they're just like, I just don't even know how to use Zoom. How do we make it a production? You know, so that's kind of how we jumped into that. Right, right. And what sort of platforms then for the uh, the events as well? You mentioned Zoom there, but what are some of the other ways that you would do the, the live streaming? What are some of the other the sort of technologies behind that? Man, so many. So um, in the live event stuff, vMix became really prevalent in that space. Um, on the, I don't know, prosumer side, Ecamm was really big. And so I jumped into that. And then, of course, many of the the like online web-based ones, um, mm-hmm. like I'm blanking on them now, but like BeLive or... Um, stream yard restream all of those Got restream you. was probably one of the first ones i was messing with um uh-huh. because i just needed to send something a bunch of places and so i started there um on the professional side so uh-huh uh-huh and uh, like you say when you've got uh, all the other infrastructure it's just a case of almost plugging it in then <laughs> in, <laughs> yep. that, in that respect uh-huh and, and, what, and so the events that you were live streaming then, how much of a sort of setup were you doing on on that side? You know, if you were doing them for other people, how, how what sort of what type of things were you doing basically? How would you how would you go about setting those up? Oh, so a lot of it was we like I said, we were, for the larger ones, we were actually bringing in like the audio video lighting. So we're you know you're talking large thirty two channel boards and um, and the lighting to make sure it's good. Some of them are RoboCams, some of them are like cameras with like manned cameras. And the live stream portion is always, I don't want to say easy, but the simplest, right? Because we were already doing all the other stuff and it's literally getting a video feed from the switcher, getting an audio feed and then, you know, going right into some sort of capture card and literally uploading it again. Like, like I said, using Restream, using OBS, one of those um, to get it to the internet. And so that that was the simplest form. And, you know, that's what I was trying to explain to them early on. Like, we're already here. <laughs> just, just plug it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and how's things changed then since the world has opened up you know more what's the uh what have you noticed in terms of the the balance between virtual versus in-person versus you know hybrid and and how's that that sort of working out because i've seen i've seen it being hit and miss in different places the the implementation of hybrid uh can be uh can be a bit of a, a minefield i've seen for some people yeah absolutely i think that was one of the first struggles um, when it went, because there was this thing of like, okay, we can do it virtual. And it's immensely for whatever reason, people could do live events. They could do virtual. And it was the hybrid that they were always like, well, what do we do? Yeah. And, um, and, and I feel like now, you know, kind of what we're two years into it now that people are starting to realize um, that there's two ways to do it. Right. There's the hybrid where you're just what we're doing now. Right. We're just sending it to people mm-hmm. and you're just watching, just watch it get the information and keep it moving. But then there's the other one where you actually want them to talk back and mm-hmm. you want them to, whether it's, you know, through messaging, whether it's we're bringing in virtual presenters. Right. And now we got the ability to somebody doesn't have to be in the room to present their information. Mm-hmm. And so people are starting to play more with being able to live, you know, having a live speaker, having a virtual speaker come in or even the fact of having a separate host that talks directly to the virtual audience that way they feel engaged that way they mm-hmm. feel like they're a part of it versus just watching tv right mm-hmm. 
And that's uh, that's interesting because I think when we talk about hybrid events, a lot of people think about it from the viewer's perspective uh, of, you know, people in the audience versus people watching at home kind of thing. But uh, yeah, the idea of uh, virtual speakers coming into a, a live, you know, a live in-person yeah. event is a another whole ball game altogether. But I like, I like what you're saying there about having like a, almost the virtual host introducing the different segments and things like that is a, a quite a, quite a cool way to do. And how, how have you found then integrating that all with, you know, actually, you know, running a, where you've got, you know, potentially a stage or something like that, where you've got actual real speakers going on, but then how do you get, how do you get that sort of interaction between people watching at home and in fact make them feel integrated into it all? Yeah. So, and so I've seen it, I've seen it even in that, right. I've seen it kind of the two ways, right. So if you have the ho- the kind of separate virtual host, right. And so what, what you're doing is there are parts of your uh, show or your event where the person on stage is kind of addressing the local crowd mm-hmm. and then you go, okay, cool. On well, the virtual cut to this other person talking. So that way they're saying, Hey guys watching at home, Da, 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 da. And you are giving them something to do, you know, whether it's answer a question, whether some kind of call and response so that that way they're bought in. Um, another way that I've seen it is being able to um, gather questions, right? Gather questions mm-hmm. or even comments live on stage. And we're, you know, putting it, there's a teleprompter or a confidence monitor in front of the stage where we're literally feeding them saying, hey, these are things that people are saying online you know, shout them out so they can feel like mm-hmm. you they're seen, right? Not that they're just, again, it's not the TV experience. It's the, the interactive, yeah. you know, experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a, a cool way to make people feel sort of integrated, integrated into it all. And um, what would you say in terms of like, have you found in terms of like, I suppose the, the numbers of people that are attending, have you found that in the events that people have been sort of raring to get back to the in-person ones, or have you found that there has been a difference? Because I know for me per- personally, I used to spend a lot of time traveling and going to you know, various different things. And now I've realized that, oh, you know what, I can actually just stay at home. And for me, that suits me. I'd much rather be at home. Uh, has there been like a, a flood of people coming back or have you noticed numbers sort of dropping in, in the, the in-person stuff? You know, it's interesting. I, I feel like the numbers overall for the event are growing mm-hmm. because you kind of get one, you know, that once every, every, there was a, there's a whole group of people that were itching to get back out. Yeah, and yeah. so when the event came, they're like, I'm there, let's uh-huh. go. And so you're still putting, you know, hundreds of people, some of the events, thousands of people in there live. But now what you're doing are getting the people that always wanted to come but couldn't whether it's a money right. thing whether it's just a travel thing right how far it yeah, is yeah. whether it's a schedule thing right i can't mm-hmm. i can't leave thursday to come you know xyz and so now you have more people because they're all the people that were going to come anyway and now you've given them an option to you know join online and so I, I honestly my personal thing is that's a huge piece of it like i try to pitch it as every event should be hybrid at this point now where we are in this day and age, every event should be hybrid, you know? Yeah, well, I know I've attended things that I would never have attended before because like you say, they're now hybrid and I'm over here on the other side of the world and I can now attend events in the, in the U S that I wouldn't have been able to before. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's basically made the events almost global now that were, you know, local previously really, I suppose. And yeah, it's just, it's opening up access, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Like you said, you don't have to get on a plane. You're like, yeah. oh, I can at least be a part of it. And then, you know, when, when you get that two-way interaction, right, people get to see your face. And, you know, whether it's just an icon or whether there is some video portion, you still get to inter- interact and feel like we know who that person is on the other side, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And how have you noticed that the, you know, I talked in the, the intro there about like the technology changing and obviously everyone having to go on live drove, you know, massive changes in infrastructure, in technology, in software. You know, there's a, I know there was huge improvements made over to Zoom when suddenly the whole world went on it and realized there was all these holes in it. <laughs> uh, so what are some other areas like that where you've seen that there have been these, you know, accelerated development of platforms and, and gear and things like that? You know, it's fun. I think... I think the the what, what do you want to say the ease of use I don't know if that's the right the barrier of entry let's just use right. that term right the barrier of entry has has dropped dramatically because let me be perfectly honest in, even in the front end in the front end when I was like trying to get involved in streaming before all this happened I had never heard of ecam I had never heard of vmix like OBS was it and mm-hmm. I think maybe Wirecast I probably had heard of Wirecast but I'd never used it because it was kind of right. costly at the time right mm-hmm. um. And and OBS again was free. It took a lot of work to learn how to use it, but once you learned how to use it, it was it, it did exactly what you needed to do. And I think like again, you know, VMix is still a little more complicated to me, but like a eCam or even like the web base, all the web based ones we talked about earlier, like it literally all I need is a connection and a browser, and I can live stream whatever content I want to you know stream. Uh-huh. It changed the game and it allowed more people to be able to spread their message. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, there has been a, just an explosion in all of these different platforms. And I, I think when Doc was on uh, on the show, Doc Rock, and he was saying that, you know, beginning of 2019 or end of 2019, there was only like a thousand people in the Ecom Facebook group and now there's 20,000. So there's certainly been an explosion in that and all the other platforms as well. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it certainly, certainly opened up and... Obviously, all these extra subscriptions all go to fund further development of the <laughs> the software. So, um, and so you mentioned OBS. Did you use OBS previously as well, or was that is that something you dabbled in? Because I think it's a, a. I know a lot of people start start with OBS. They usually migrate to something else eventually. But <laughs> yeah, that, and that's what it was. It was I started with OBS because that was the hey, what's the free thing to get started? Because again, when I started, I was just trying to stream video games online. I really didn't have a. A, a paid reason to do it. Right. I was hoping to, you know, maybe somebody would pay me on there. Right. And yeah. it was free. <laughs> and then there was, you know, tutorials all over like, all right, cool. We'll figure this thing out. I consider myself tech savvy. Right. And so yep. that's what I jumped in. But like you said, once, once it came to light, like, okay, this, this is, it's not, it's the, the ease of use is taken away. Right. I can't just think it and yep. do it. I have to like go find the app and find this and download this and, and it was just, you know, again, same thing. Stumble across Ecamm, stumble across VMix and go, oh, these things just do it. They just work. <laughs> I'm yeah. just pay them and just it just works. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a, a time cost associated with these things, isn't there? And sometimes it's just easier to uh, save yourself the, the time and hassle. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to take a moment to talk about Ecamm Live. This is the live production Mac software that we're using to live stream and record this podcast. In my opinion, it is the best live streaming and recording software on the market today. So what exactly does it do? Well, essentially, it allows you to control the content that you're including in your video, be it a live stream or a recorded video. And you do this by building out different scenes that contain the content that you want to show. This content may be a feed from your camera or indeed multiple cameras, or you may be sharing a screen, which is what I do a lot of 
in my tutorial style videos that I make for my Take One Tech YouTube channel. You can share the screen from a second computer or maybe even a gaming console if you are a live streaming gamer. And just as we are doing in this podcast, you can also bring in guests using Ecamm Live's built-in interview mode where guests can join from a browser and you can then incorporate their video and audio into your production. Finally, you can add all kinds of additional graphical and animated overlay elements and even movies to really add a level of branded professionalism that would be hard to achieve in any other way. The real magic happens though when you hit that record or go live button because then you are able to seamlessly switch back and forth between all of the scenes that you've created and indeed this is how all of the videos have been created for my Take One Tech YouTube channel and the reason it's called Take One Tech by the way is because all of the videos are made in one take with no edits. I just hit record, make the video and as soon as I hit the end recording button the file is there and ready to be uploaded straight to YouTube. What I love about Ecamm is not just the ease of use that it has when compared to other live streaming software but also the greater flexibility it gives in terms of layouts and designs that you can create for your shows when compared to some of the hardware streaming solutions. And one thing that makes Ecamm great specifically for podcasts is the fact that it has the ability to record isolated audio tracks. So once we finish recording this podcast I'll have a separate audio file for me, my guests and any other audio tracks that have been a part of the recording. That makes the editing and repurposing of the content for the podcast so much more streamlined. It does have another little trick up its sleeve though and that is its virtual camera feature. This allows you to take the video output from Ecamm live straight into communication apps like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Discord and so on. This means that rather than just appearing in Zoom meetings with a regular camera feed you can now show up with all of the amazing production values that Ecamm live gives you and deliver that straight into your Zoom meeting. And trust me when you rock up to a Zoom meeting with Ecamm <laughs> the other participants will be truly amazed. So whether for live streaming, recorded video content or to level up your Zoom game I highly recommend you give Ecamm live a go. You can get a free trial by going to takeonetech.io slash Ecamm that's E-C-A-M-M takeonetech.io slash Ecamm and of course you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. You will certainly not regret giving it a go. Now let's get back to the show. And in terms of then like as well as obviously you do the professional live streaming for you know other people and putting on events how has that translated over into your your own stuff how what are you doing in terms of live streaming these days as well as are you still doing the gaming stuff or what what else do you do i was doing a little bit of the gaming stuff for fun but a lot of it honestly is kind of what we're doing now it's become this yep. conversational thing it's become the the podcast style yes. um conversation and so um but but it changed I always say when you're in production, it taints your view of the world. And so <laughs> right. what it does is right, like like what you have now, right? You got the lower thirds with the names, you got the the ticker running with the information, like those yeah. kind of things. Like when I when I first started and didn't, you know, not even in production, right? It was just like a I got a video up, and then I got a little video inside a big video. Yeah. But then once you're in that production world and you're in a live event, and you realize you need lower thirds and you need name graphics and name cards and kind of all this stuff. Now, when you come to live stream, even when I'm doing, when I was doing like a simple, in yeah. my head, a simple video game thing, I'm like, no, no, no. I like, I need this and I need it to <laughs> pop and fly and, yeah. you know, and so it taints you, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that can, that can be a, a blessing and a curse. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's good to have, uh, you know, high standards with these sort of things. But uh, if for me personally, I'm talking about, it can be a, uh, I haven't got my recovering perfectionist top on today, but <laughs> yeah, it can be a, a rabbit hole that you go down sometimes for me personally. <laughs> 
Uh, and so where where do you primarily stream then? What are your sort of um, your the, the platforms that you use, like personally, but also for, you know, when you're streaming events, you know, where do you find is the the best platforms to use for that? Yeah, for sure. So kind of t- ends up being two different worlds. So I'll start off with me personally. Um, me personally, kind of my top platforms right now, I stream to Amazon Live doing content over there. Um, and then I was kind of, if I if I'm doing like a YouTube stream, I'll generally honestly just live to Twitter, to Facebook, even though I'm kind of concentrated on YouTube. Got you. um, so that's for me personally on the on the event side. Those kind of change up based on who you're talking to, and a lot of honestly, it's funny you have the conversation. A lot of them don't even know where they want to, wanted to go. They're just like, right. we just want it streamed, and you're like, streamed okay, somewhere. where? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a lot of times, honestly, we end up using uh, Vimeo because they have a huge, they have a really great like pro package where you can kind of like um, sometimes you can paywall it, but you can kind of keep stuff behind a password, so people have to sign up to see the content. Oh, yeah. And so for you know for paid corporate type events that I've been using. We've been using that a lot. Mm-hmm. And how about uh, this sort of repurposing of the content as well? Because I've seen, I've seen people do where they call it a hybrid event, but actually it's a, a live event and then they'll do video replays after the fact. And I don't really think of that as hybrid, <laughs> although they will, they sometimes call it that. I think that's a bit cheating really, because you're not actually getting to be there in person. But um, uh, yeah, what, what are some of the ways of, that you would work with people to help them, you know, once they have done their, their event? ways to repackage that or package that up after the fact as well man that's funny that you bring that that one of the things that we we try to tell people is like one record everything that's just me that's the content creator in me right that's not even the the event production right that's like hit record you already got the camera you already got the lights right and so one of those things is that right is is, i I laugh with you when you said it's kind of cheating to call it hybrid because yeah it's a it's a it's a after the fact hey you can buy post tickets or you know you can get if, if you remember some of the old events, though, right, you would you could pay for the extra the USB drive to get the audio <laughs> to to listen to later. But it's that yep. right. We we got the video. Hey, guys, you can actually either charge a higher ticket, a VIP ticket, right? Add mm-hmm. 100 bucks, 200 bucks on it. Um, or you can sell it on the spot and go, hey, did you miss some of these breakout sessions? Did you miss this? Yep. We recorded it all here. It's going to be up behind this paywall. And you get access to it for 60 days, 90 days, a year, whatever that is. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that we kind of talk them into is that's one piece. The other piece is in the recording, making sure that you're repurposing some of that um, because the idea is we're assuming that you're going to have another event. Right. And mm-hmm. so to repurpose a lot of that content for social, that way you're promoting what you did. You're not giving away the sauce. Right. You're giving them mm-hmm. a little something to nibble on and then go, hey, guess what? Either A, you can buy the stuff behind the paywall, or B, you can come to the event next year. And so I think that's one of the, those are kind of the couple of things that we try to talk about it um, on the front end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how about just sort of repurposing for content creators in general? Because I know that is something that you uh, you do and you offer that to, to people as a as a service, if I'm, if I'm correct about that. So uh, how, how does that sort of work? And uh, what are some, because this is something that I've personally struggled with <laughs> because I'm all about the one take, no edits. And then as soon as I start thinking about repurposing, I start thinking about editing in some form or other, even if it's just going in and snipping out, you know, 60 seconds or whatever it is. So what are some sort of thoughts or approaches that people can take with, uh, with that in general? You know, how, how do you approach that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Man. One, of the, one of the things that we... I say teach or we try to the message that we try to get across, right. Is because generally the audience that are, that are following me are business owners or coaches or 
and and a lot of them are solopreneurs or there's only, you know, they got a couple contractors. There's not a bunch of them, right? And so the idea is how do you create the most amount of content in the least amount of time? Mm-hmm. And so for somebody like you, you're already creating content. And so what I go is, hey, you're already spending, you know, and I don't know, you know how many shows you're doing a week, right? But just say you're only doing one a week. Mm-hmm. Well, this show will talk for 45 minutes to an hour. Boom. That's your main podcast, right? And so now not only and you're already doing a lot of this right you're already posting it to the youtube you're already live streaming it right then you're also taking the audio putting it on the audio platforms mm-hmm. what i then also suggest is you go back and now you have the ability to we've kind of touched on a couple of different subjects and so you knew whether you know whether the questions are written or whether after the fact you go hey we talked about these three things you you or you have an editor or you know like we do we have editors that'll go through and they can chop 8 to 12 minute clips out of that Mm-hmm. which those now become YouTube videos, right? So it's a shorter a shorter amount of content that somebody can consume that maybe they're not ready to watch your whole hour, right? So they go watch the 8 to 12 minutes and now hope the hope is that they'll go watch the longer version. We also then take that same 60-minute thing and we'll clip out. Um, and I use 60 seconds as my gauge personally mm-hmm. um, because with that 60 seconds, you can go to, I think it's five different platforms. You can do, if you, especially if you do the vertical, right? You can go to Pinterest, you can go to YouTube shorts, you can go to Facebook reels, Instagram reels, and TikTok. And so in this episode of us talking, if I had this video, I could get my editor to find anywhere from six to eight clips of us, something happened. You asked the question and I answered it, or we got on a little thing where we're talking about this one subject for 60 seconds and now there's five places I can post that. And again, the end goal is that's the lead magnet. I just gave you a little sauce. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that you come back and watch the YouTube video or come back and watch the whole podcast. And so that's kind of what we jump into. And again, whether it's an event or whether it's podcasting right here, that's the that's the way that you can take that one hour and you know turn that thing into 50 pieces of content for a week, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how have you found the sort of the the like the conversion rates? Have you done much sort of tracking to that to see you know how many people? Have, I know from personal experience, I will see people on uh, wherever it is TikTok, IG, wherever, and then if the content looks interesting, I'll go and check out the longer form stuff. Um, have you got any sort of um, anecdotal sort of indication as to what the sort of success rate of those kind of things is? Man, I think the hardest part is what I would compare it to. It's it's one of those things where I compare it to. I mean, old school media, right? TV, Mm -hmm. the commercial. We have no clue that you saw the Ford commercial and you went and bought a Ford truck. Got you. Mm -hmm. But the idea is more people saw it. And so more people realize, oh, Ford, they think about Ford. And Mm -hmm. that becomes a thing because honestly, there's no, there's no way to connect, especially like say an Instagram reel, right? Yep. Even if somebody watched this clip, there's no way that we know that they watch this clip and then click the link to see the yeah, full sure. episode. Mm-hmm. We can get an idea that, you know, a hundred people click the link in our bio and went to watch it, but we don't know. Was it this clip? Was it the clip from the episode last week? Cause he was more interesting. Like, you know what I mean? And so I think that's one of the hard parts in, in selling it. Uh-huh. But I think what we understand is that in this marketing world, it's all about eyeballs. And so the more eyeballs you get, the idea is that you're, giving them you're putting them somewhere you're leading them somewhere and so that's kind of what i lean into on that part Uh uh 
And, and in terms of like the other sort of consultation stuff that you do with uh, people with content creators, like what are some of the uh, uh, some of the ways that you help sort of coach people in in that respect, aside from just the the repurposing stuff? Uh, so the repurposing has been the big thing now. Um, where I kind of jumped in originally was helping creators realize that they can make money because <laughs> you meet so many people that don't even realize that they're just, you know, they're doing it for fun and it's fine. If that's what you want to do, if it's a hobby, cool. I also always, I'm just a guy that I would love for my hobbies to pay. I mean, what we were talking about earlier, right? I was playing video games. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best video game player, but if I could get somebody to give me $5 every time I showed up, let's go. Why not? Uh-huh. Um, and so that was a, that was a big piece of what um, I started off talking about is how do you monetize? And again, just because, you know, there's there's 20 different ways. It's not just it's not just YouTube AdSense. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I don't have a huge YouTube following. And so that's not where I currently make my money is YouTube AdSense. Mm-hmm. Right. I currently make my money from either the client work or I currently make my money from sponsorships and free gear and all that kind of stuff. Amazon associates. Right. Associate affiliate income is a huge mm-hmm. part. And so that's really what we dove into for a lot of people on the front end. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, <laughs> chase after the uh, um, the YouTube <laughs> AdSense commission, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's the lowest of, of mine as well. After <laughs> you know eighteen months of doing it, and and it's true that you know you don't even need the the thousand followers to start to generate an income from uh, you know content creation as well. There's 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 other other more creative ways. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, what's this? I mean, the simplest is you know <laughs> I laugh, but it's, it's what we were talking about earlier when you're asking me about um, what softwares I use. Mm-hmm. I get on the thing and go, you know, either A, you can go one way and go, well, I've used all these softwares. And guess what? All these softwares have affiliate incomes. So mm-hmm. I've used these five softwares, go to my link and whichever yeah. one you like, <laughs> I'll get a commission <laughs> right, off right. of. Or you can double down and go, you know, like yours right now, it's powered by Ecamm. Like, you're like, this is what I use. This is what I swear by. Go mm-hmm. get it. And every time somebody clicks your link, you're getting paid. And so, so it's, uh, what's the word I use? I always say it's, it's so simple to get paid. It's not necessarily easy, but it's very simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and how about the, the the Amazon side of stuff? I know that you you stream to Amazon. So how long have you been on Amazon for? And how have you found that as a as a as a platform? Because it's got a few uh, a few quirks. I mean, we're obviously streaming to it right now. Um, but it's uh, I, f- I find it an interesting and fascinating space to be streaming to. So what's what's your thoughts on it? Man, that's funny. Man, I'm thinking back. I guess. We're in 2022. Yeah, I started in 2020, the end of 2020. So it's right. honestly going on about two years now. Uh-huh. Um, and and so I think one of the streaming directly to the platform, yeah, like you said, it was it was it's it still kind of feels like the wild wild west because it, it started. It feels like it's YouTube ten years ago when it mm-hmm. it's the beginning and it's this cool thing. I think now it's we recognize it more because we've already seen YouTube, right? We've already mm-hmm. seen video platforms work, and so we're like, oh, this could work. And now, but it goes back to, you know, we're, we're spoiled or, you know, we're talking about the production, right? Once you know, now we're on this platform, we're like, well, no, it could be better. You just need to do this, this, and this. And they're kind of like, oh, well, we don't want to do that yet. We want to do it this way. And you're like, no, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> and so um, that, that's one of the, like you said, that's one of the quirks. Um, the one, the other part of it, though, is to me, it's one of the fastest ways to start getting paid. Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, you'll look at it and go, if you're new to it, people, a lot of people will be like, man. It's, you know, one to 4% of this. And it's like, cool. But if you already have, if you have an audience or you're building an audience or you're very niche and you're talking about a specific mm-hmm. thing, that's the one way that you're getting paid is by collecting that check. I'll say 
I haven't streamed on Amazon in two months right now. Mm-hmm. I'm still getting commission checks from, you know, whether it's the short form videos or old um, things or, you know, just sending links. Honestly, people go, Hey, what is the, what mic should I get? And I'm just sending them a link in Instagram. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the one way. The other way that we, when we first got on that we were utilizing Amazon was sponsorships and brand deals. Mm-hmm. And the reason we were able to do that is because what we know, we understand the game, right? We understand that in most other platforms, you got to have a lot of viewers. And so you go to YouTube and go, no, you need you know 50,000 viewers or you need 100,000 before we start giving you money. What we realized is on Amazon specifically is that it was new. And we could go and say, hey, guys, we streamed Amazon Live. And they go, what's Amazon Live? Ah, let me tell you. And now I have an audience that you don't know that you don't even know that you want or need. But your product is on Amazon. And so we were able to start going to companies and saying, hey, we sell on Amazon. We stream Amazon live. Send us some gear, pay us, and we'll talk about your stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a different ball game as a platform, like you say. They're they're there to you know, folks are here to 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 shop and are there to make a decision. And if you can give them some information that helps them in that decision making process, then uh everyone wins. <laughs> Win for you and the product manufacturers and for the uh, the the shoppers there that are getting the information that they need as well yeah absolutely man absolutely so it, it, would you say then that amazon is a lot more of a focus than uh, youtube for you at the moment i'll say by accident right right, <laughs> right, cho- right so you know i chose i chose to dive in head first because um, um and you probably know monty but like he was the one we, we were friends we've known each other for honestly in real life for years mm-hmm. and um Literally, we reconnected in 2020 because I was sitting at home with nothing to do, playing around with live streaming, and he was teaching about YouTube. And so I jumped into there, and then because of friends, he hits me. He goes, "Yo, I know you. I know we're talking about YouTube. I know you're in my community about YouTube, but uh, check out this this Amazon Live thing. Like, you know, don't dive all the way in. Like, just go check it out." And I checked it out. I was like, "It's no brainer. Like, I can go get money now. Yeah, let me jump in." And so um, I took a lot of time at at, at that. And so, yeah, I would still say as far as live streaming, that's definitely my number one platform. Um, as far as overall strategy, it's probably not, it's not this top five, but it's not the top platform currently. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what about sort of other platforms that you're on then in, in terms of, uh, you know, live video? Have you d- done any, obviously the uh, live on Instagram is still a thing that's only on mobile, but that's coming to uh, the desktop as well to be able to do, you know, more full, full on productions. Is that something that you're going to be... Uh, trying out with live on other, you know, vertical platforms? You know, I'm definitely interested to check it out. Um, I think that was the one thing that kind of held me back from really diving into, you know, a TikTok or Instagram is because I couldn't use all the gear. (laughs) Like I have all this gear. I I feel weird that like I have all this gear and then you want me to take my phone and record on my phone. Like it just felt weird. And so I, I think I'll dive in and give it and give it a try um, I, because also too, right. We understand social is that when that becomes a thing, there's a good chance that that's going to get the bump. And so we can get some extra viewers and some extra eyeballs because they mm-hmm. want to see if it works and if it, you know, they're going to push everybody there till it breaks. 
Uh-huh. So maybe a great time to jump in, right? <laughs> yeah, and especially if they start bringing more sort of live shopping to that sort of thing, you know, sort of emulating the uh, the Amazon uh, type of thing. Well, I suppose Amazon are only emulating what's in. I mean, I'm in uh, Southeast Asia, and over here there are so many you know live shopping platforms, and lots of them vertical as well. So Lazada is uh, kind of like one of the the big Southeast Asia sort of Amazon equivalents, if you like, uh, and that's all about you know the the, the live vertical video shopping experience but uh, i'm not quite on board with it as a as a viewer yet either but <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting to see the development of all of that but and that's and man that's it's funny because the whole live shopping thing like when we came across amazon it was just like oh that's interesting but then we forget like how many years you know like it, it, we're, we're grown now right but how long ago was it that there was the Home Shopping Network and QVC? And yes, yeah. Those were, you know, they're still there and they're still doing mm-hmm. their thing. And the only difference now is Amazon put it online. Um, and then, like you said, you know, in Asia, it's a thing. And mm-hmm. so one of the things, one of the companies that I was working for, a microphone company I was working with on Amazon, they realized that the content that they were doing on um, Alibaba, right. they were streaming yep. there and it wasn't, <laughs> I guess the way it was set up there, they didn't have creators yet. It was it was the company streaming. Right. And so for them, it was what you said. It was literally a person with a phone at a at a desk in the office. No, you know, nothing fancy. None of these lights, none of this, no good cameras, just the phone sitting there. And they're like, hey, this microphone. Da, 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 da. Uh-huh. And they were like, hey, can we pay you to stream the Alibaba and we'll literally it was all this kind of back end crazy VPN stuff that I had to do to even show up there. I was mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, cause now I can put it on my resume. <laughs> I'm streaming the Alibaba. You know, uh-huh. how many people, you know, have done that. So, uh-huh. And it's funny you mentioned there about, you know, people just doing things with their, their phone. I think that is something that, uh, you know, Amazon realized quickly is that the QVC site, you know, type of content where you've got more heavily produced stuff versus, Actually, it's fine to be a little bit rough around the edges with the, uh, I've got to let myself go with with that sort of stuff. You know, it's better to just grab the phone and, you know, people I think on, uh, especially when they're just in the process of making a decision and they just want to tell somebody to tell them like an honest opinion, uh, they don't necessarily need the uh, sort of flashy graphics and things like that in that. So uh, what, what's, what's been your experience of actually like the content that you've uh, you've created in terms of the, like the shoppable videos and things like that? How have you approached that? <laughs> That's funny. I started out. Um, so this goes. This goes back to the repurposing. This is literally the the thought process that was in my head. I was actually shooting the videos um, with my new products, and what I was doing in the video was I would. Um, I thought I had a box. I don't have a box, but I would literally hold the box up in front of the camera for like three seconds. Right. And then I would start talking about it, and then I wouldn't mm-hmm. engage the audience. I wouldn't engage the chat while I was mm-hmm. talking about the product. And then I would hold the product again at the end when I was done. And then I would go engage the audience. And what I was doing, and people didn't realize it in the beginning, is I was making my shoppable videos in my live stream. So literally, right, I was taking right. a live stream. Now I can either myself or send it off and go, hey, every time I hold up a product, cut it, cut it, boom. Now that's a shoppable video. Got you. And I don't have to take the time to do it. And that's how I originally started doing it. Um, and that's, that's how I'll do it. Like when I get certain, when I get certain products, I'll do it that way. But like you said, one of the things I started playing with as we got back from, um, I don't remember where we were at, VidFest, PodFest, and we were talking to some other people that were doing really great in the, just those short, the short choppables is they were like, I'm just taking my phone and recording. 
And then I vo- voice it over later. And I'm like, what? Right. And they literally were like, hold up this bottle of water and just record it. And then go back later and just be like, this Deer Park bottle of water is whatever <laughs> ounces, da, 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 da. Boom, and upload it vertical on your phone because it's more natural and because people see it and mm-hmm. go, oh, this is a person. Mm-hmm. Versus, like you said, the YouTube ones, you kind of expect those to be polished and yep. put together. And it's like, oh. So I've been trying to do both to see if there's if there's been really a dis. I personally haven't seen a huge difference in mine. I just you know I get paid on both, so yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> They're both me. working. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but it's I mean it is true what you were mentioning earlier about you know they're just sitting there then once you've done them and so as a as a way to generate revenue and I know that you know whatever my uh, current follower counting is on Amazon I think it's still less than a hundred but you know I'm at over three thousand on YouTube but Amazon's still making more than YouTube for me as a as a creator so yeah don't, don't exactly. bank on that uh, AdSense uh, revenue from YouTube <laughs> exactly man I mean I was thinking I mean my Amazon I'm probably at maybe at five hundred if that. If, mm-hmm. if I'm at that, right, you know, 2000 gets you to the top level. Right. Yep. And I was like, I've made more money, <laughs> but, th- and that's, there's the part of, I made more money from Amazon, mm-hmm. but then on the brand deal side, like again, sure. I've had companies pay me to show up talking about their product. Um, you know, I'm trying to think I got a closet full of microphones and electronics. I just got a box from, um, I can't even remember the name of the company. That's good. They're hopefully they're not watching because, um, <laughs> but they got headphones and speakers and stuff now that right, I got to right. you know shoot this week for Black Friday and so well at the time of this recording <laughs> for Black Friday and so <laughs> and so it's like you know it's yeah why I, that and that's the hard part is because I really really want to concentrate on YouTube because I know long term yep. big play and all that it it can it is a thing but it's. If I'm making money over here, it's hard to ignore it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's always always hard to find that sort of balance between the the, the different platforms and that where to spend our, our time and split it. And how about sort of using the same content on both? Have you done much of that? Where you've because I mean, I've, I've I'm still sort of figuring out my whole sort of strategy in this sense, you know, to uh, the stuff that I want to put on my YouTube channel versus the stuff that I'm going to put on Amazon. And in some respects, there's um. You know, there is an overlap, but on other sides, you know, my YouTube channel isn't really a gear channel. I don't do lots of gear reviews and stuff. So there's only a, a slight overlap. But um, do you do any of that stuff where you're posting to the, the two together? You know, funny, I started I started off that, and but it's what you just said, right? Like my main channel on YouTube wasn't built for, that's not what I was, my intention was to be the tech mm-hmm. channel, uh, at least in that sense, right? It wasn't going to be product reviews and stuff. And so I said, you know, you can start a bunch of YouTube channels. And so I have an extra YouTube channel that literally that's the thought process I've been giving was, oh, yeah. hey, maybe I need to make this. I'll brand this channel the same thing as the Amazon mm-hmm. and just put it like you said, post the same videos or post the same kind of content. Um, because honestly, when I was testing it, one of my um, I want to say it's actually my highest viewed video is a video I did on Amazon. I just happened right. to live stream it to both. And it was, but it's the highest played video right now. And it was a product review on um, the uh, Mayono caster, which is mm-hmm. or Mono caster, which is, you know, a cheap version of the roadcaster. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody wanted to know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, man, I got views. And so I've been, to- I've been torn there, man. Cause I really don't want to do a tech channel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many people doing it, you know? Uh huh. And and how about the content that you do for Amazon? Because I've always had this feeling, right or wrong, and uh, perhaps you can you've got more experience on the platform than me. But um, that 
whereas with YouTube, it's about sort of niching down and having a very defined niche. Um, from my sort of understanding, almost with Amazon, it doesn't so much matter if you do mix and match products, you know, across a broader range of uh, niches, because, you know, more than likely people are finding you because they're on that product page, as opposed to people who are coming to your channel page to, to see all the products that you're reviewing. Has that been your experience? And have you ventured out from your regular niche? Yeah. So what I'll do over there on shoppables, I'll do anything. It doesn't matter to me. Like I'll, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the product is. It's not tech. Um, on when I'm doing live streams, I try to keep the the live stream that I'm doing to the similar content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if I do a non tech one, I want I still like I, I want to I did like an all video game one. I've done I think I've done a book one or something like that. But what I try to do is I keep it in that thing because what I realized and and it's I'll say specifically for tech, this is what's shown up for me is that if I fill my whole carousel with just tech items, mm-hmm. you know, even if, you know, right now I'm using AKG mic. If, if I had this mic in there and it just, there's no other tech people on or anything, I'd still end up showing up in related products of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things is, is if I had a toaster in there and they show up at the toaster and then all the other products are microphones and they jump in there like, Toaster and microphones, they don't go together. And like, so that was kind of the one thing I was trying to think through of like, okay, yeah. microphone, microphone cables for this live stream. And then oh, yeah. the next live stream, I can do something different, you know? Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that as well, because what I have noticed is that um, there are people who do live streams and because they're using, like now I'm using a short MV7. So let's say that somebody's doing a live stream about, I don't know, uh, pet supplies, <laughs> but because they've got this mic, they'll have that in the carousel. And so I often see like looking for tech stuff on YouTube, exactly what on uh, Amazon, exactly what you've just said, that there'll be a live stream, but it's about like something unrelated to tech. So it, it works both ways that as well, I think. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what, and so I, what I was trying to do was, and this is somebody else was talking about it. I can't even remember who, but it was like trying to put in a thought process, right. Of like, if you were shopping for that microphone mm-hmm. and you, like you said, you clicked on it and they're talking about pet products and you're like, well, I wanted to ask you about this microphone. They're like, well, I don't really know. It's just a microphone I have. I don't really yeah, know. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you're like, well, that's frustrating. I'd rather be able to ask the question. Cause like you said earlier, you know, the point is trying to help people buy yes, the yep. thing that they're already there to buy, like just answer mm-hmm. questions. And so it's like, I feel like it's a disservice when you aren't niched, at least for that episode. Again, like overall yep. you do what you want to, but each, I feel like each uh, live stream should be the similar stuff. So that way when somebody jumps in, you actually know what you're talking about. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when we were talking about tech, perhaps we could, um, I always like to, to check up behind the scenes. I mean, that's the whole whole thing of this is to understand how, how live streamers are doing what they're doing. Perhaps you could talk us through a little bit about your, your sort of setup and what you, uh, what you'll use for your, your live streaming. We've got, for those listening on the audio podcast, we've got a nice uh, picture up. If you want to come and check out the, uh, the video, the link is in the, uh, the description and the, uh, the show notes, but what, what have you got going on on your setup here? So I laugh, man. You're showing the picture. I gotta say, R.I.P. to uh, R.I.P. to that computer that I once knew. That's under that oh, desk right. in that picture. <laughs> uh-huh. I, uh, I I spilled a. I accidentally. Fat party foul, man. I I literally knocked over a brand new cup of coffee. Oh no, nightmare! <laughs> and it rolled off the back of my desk into the computer, and so oh, ouch! <laughs> it, it it it's gone. It's it's actually sitting on the desk. Oh, it's actually sitting on the desk behind me in pieces. But uh, <laughs> so that was that computer. So that was the Alienware. Um, so right now I'm running a, a Dell gaming laptop. Uh-huh. Um, I'm looking at the picture. I run three. 
uh, well, originally I was running three 32 inch monitors. Mm-hmm. Currently I'm only running two. And then the laptop screen is, is a third monitor. Got you. Um, Sony mirrorless camera. So I'm, I'm in a, a 6100, um, uh-huh. which is amazing. Uh, honestly, it's, I got it because it was the one that everybody was like, Oh yeah, you got to get it to get this crazy bokeh effect. And right. the, you know, so I went ahead and did it. Um, look at there, there. stream deck. Oh my gosh. If you don't have a stream deck, I don't know, like <laughs> for live streaming, for editing, whatever it is you do, <laughs> yeah. like that thing is a game changer. Um, I, so I, I say that, that. On, on every episode that this is what somebody will always talk about the stream deck. And I say, I, you know, I could I just have record my little soundbite of it. But it's the one thing that like, when I got into live streaming, this thing has like opened up like a whole new area of my life of productivity that I just uh, was completely oblivious to, and it's just transformed everything so much further afield than uh, this. This you know, just the the live streaming and switching cameras, which is what I thought I'd be doing with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, dude, <laughs> like I can't talk about that thing enough. I wish they would give away checks because I could definitely get paid talking about their product. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that that's a man, game changer. That um, look, what else is in the picture? Oh, I got the some of my speakers in the picture. They're they're actually some. I forget what the company's called. They're oh, called uh, iLive. IK IK Media. IK, IK Media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad. Hopefully, they're not watching right this second because <laughs> I definitely forget. Um, but yeah, that was something that they sent over, and I got to I got to test out, and honestly. Um, they sound amazing. And so again, I come from the music background and, and production. And so uh-huh. I have like huge, you know, five inch, um, like studio monitors, some JBLs, some KRKs. And the problem was this desk that I'm using, like, look, all the stuff, half the stuff in this picture is free. Um, this desk <laughs> that I'm using, um, it was my first standing desk. And the problem was, as you can, uh, if well, you can't see the picture, everybody, but like, it's a 59 inch or 60 inch. And so it's not wide enough really for the three monitors. And so there's Go nowhere ahead. for me to put the big speakers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so those, the, the I louds are perfect as far as space and they sound amazing in comparison for their size. Like you wouldn't think you would, they look like little computer speakers, but they're not little computer speakers. Right. I can still mix audio on them. So those are amazing. Uh-huh. I didn't actually realize they made speakers. I've got one of the, um, uh, I've not got it in the carousel on Amazon, but I've got one of their little, um, these things, the little iRig, um, yep. uh, little mobile condenser mics. Really cool. But yeah, I didn't realize they made actual speakers as well. I, I cool. didn't either. It showed up as a surprise with the, uh, oh, nice. I was using, what was it? I was on Clubhouse. And so I used the, uh, I don't know, I can't even remember, but the adapter that lets you, the iRig. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I like I started, you know, with them. I kept posting stuff about it. And so we got in a conversation and they sent over another version that you can actually put an XLR mm-hmm. um into your into your phone. And then um, like you said, the two microphones. I had two versions of that microphone, and then they were like, Oh, here's these speakers. And I was like, same thing. I don't know you make speakers, but <laughs> I'll give it a whirl. Let's see. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, man. And then what else is in there? Uh and then the the roadcaster. I'm still on a roadcaster pro one. Right. Normally I am the gear I am the gear guy and I'm like, oh I'll just go get the next thing because and it's just like I'm trying to I'm trying to, you know, act like an adult and go <laughs> it works. Why do I need a new Yeah. One? Well that's the thing. I mean, it's actually uh, an awesome an awesome device and just because a new one came out, like it doesn't mean it's obsolete the day after, does right. it? You know, but a lot of people are me included are like that. I mean, I never had the first one actually, but um yeah, having the, uh, the 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 second one, I, I came in at that, but 
It would have been a tough decision, I think, if it had already got one, because, yeah, what extra functionality does it have if you've got it set up doing what you want? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's always, a, always a struggle, isn't it, for tech heads? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want it just because it's out, and you're like, oh, yeah, actually need it. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, what about the lighting? You mentioned, I think, it was it Govi, the uh, different types of Govi lights that you've got? Yeah, so the go so um yeah, I think everything yeah, everything in here I have is Govi lights. Um mm-hmm. so I have their string lights and then I also have uh I forgot what they're called, but they're actually basically these two lights. And they and so when I was looking at the video, they were actually created for uh your monitors or your TVs mm-hmm. to actually light the wall behind it because it actually comes with a camera sensor. And so if you're watching a movie or something, it can actually change lights based on the movie you're watching. Oh, cool. Um, but I basically use them as up lights on my back right, wall. Right. And then uh-huh. I have the string lights all the way around. Uh, but again, same thing. I love those because it's an app on my phone. So I can walk in and just turn it on on my phone. Um, I haven't got all advanced yet into the smart into the smart home stuff where I can just, you know, yell at Alexa to turn it on. But maybe right. one day I'll jump. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. And so are those um, are those all linked as well, so you can set up like you know, can you do scenes, for example, where you press a button and they just all change, or how does that work? Yep. So they're all in the same app. So yeah, I can set up a scene where they can all turn a different color, or they can all turn a different. It has some kind of built-in effects where you know, fire, and they all turn yeah, yeah. to red, orange, and do the thing. Um, and so those are really cool. Um, they even have a a table lamp that we have. My wife stole it though. I, I had it in the studio, <laughs> and she. She said, this is a good night light. And she stole it and now it's in the room. But that's yeah, the problem with some of these cool amazing. lighting things. My, I know my kids are always coming in here and saying, oh, can we take this one? And can we take that one? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. And what's the, what's the mic you're using? Or what's the regular mic? I've got to do it. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm using a different one today. But <laughs> so my normal mic is the, uh, the Mono mic. That was one of the companies that, that's what, honestly, that was one of my first sponsored mics on uh, Amazon. I have a ton of their gear. And the reason I was I kept using it honestly is because I got it shortly after I started on Amazon Live. It's right. a it was a sixty dollar XLR microphone, mm-hmm. and it sounded like a champ. And I was like, you know, but one of my things is I'm going backwards, right? Because like you said, we're the tech guys, and so we always want the new thing and all that. But I was having a hard time teaching other people you don't need it, right? Right? Because I was buying the new thing, and they're like, well, you got it, and it's like, well, you don't need it. I'm just buying it because I'm just yeah. me. And so I started going backwards, even even on my content. A lot of my content now, aside from like live streaming, um, I created on my phone mm-hmm. just to prove that you can do it for free on your phone that you already have. And so um, that was my main microphone uh, that I was using for a while. This current one is a, a AKG P220. This microphone I've had for years, and it's a microphone that I actually had for like recording. I was actually trying to, uh, when I was recording out of my house, Mm-hmm. I have artists come through and this was the microphone I use for it. So it's like a large condenser. Um, but honestly, recently we got into the MV7 uh, X. So I guess it doesn't right. have the USB function. It just has the XLR. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Monty, we're on a, a live show that we do Monday through Friday. And so we went to Virginia Beach a few weeks ago to do our conference and so we were doing the podcast live and um, Shore actually sponsored the the conference. Oh, cool. And so they sent us all MV7 X's um, and then Shore headphones. And so that's what, uh, that, that's the the mic. It's in my car because I took it on travel. So I just forgot right, to right. get it out. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's what, that's what I'm using now. 
Uh-huh. I mean, I love my MB7. It's this is the not the MB7X, but the MB7 with uh, with both the dual, dual things. And uh, this was this was that I, I actually had Laura Davidson on from uh, from Shaw uh, <laughs> this morning. I recorded another episode of this podcast, and yeah, but I said <laughs> to her, that it, I wish I could have got a a time lapse of my studio because it started with the Stream Deck and this microphone, and everything else has sort of like grown around it. <laughs> this was like the central thing, and. Uh, one of the things I loved about this was the fact that it's got dual XLR and USB. So I started with USB and then like a year later, added the Rodecaster into the mix. So it's uh, it's quite yeah. versatile like that. And, um, I got yeah. excited when we got them because I, that's what I was excited for was the the versatility because yep. I'm a, you know, so audio engineer by trade. And so I'm an audio snob. And so XLR is just the way it just has to be an XLR, uh-huh. but on the road, for the ease of use to t- take out one less piece of equipment, I wanted the USB and then I got it. It was like, Oh, they gave us the X. Right. <laughs> still got to carry another microphone or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. They had another thing on th- today actually as well. I should have, uh, I should have loaded up all this stuff from the carousel this morning as well, but uh, they had, um, oh, I forget what it's called now. The MVI, which is, um, I suppose it's similar to the one that you were mentioning earlier that you can basically plug into your computer over USB or into your phone, and then you can plug an XLR mic into it and, uh, that's uh, a small little device that then you know you can use like that. But um, I just had visions of I was thinking of people on uh, you know on Clubhouse with an SM7B <laughs> plugged into the mobile phone. <laughs> yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. There's uh, there's so many there's so many cool products out there these days. It's very easy to uh, to geek out over this stuff. <laughs> but it's funny you're saying that and a bunch of the other people on the show, they're like, they're not streamers, but you know, we have a video aspect of it. And so they're literally with an MV seven into it, into a, most of them are getting the focus, right? The Scarlet focus, oh, the Scarlet. right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So they're going to MV seven X into a Scarlet focus, right? Into an adapter onto their phone. <laughs> so they're MV7 right, right. into their phone. It's just like, yeah, yeah guys, I to, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do like a, a mobile rig, you know, like get, get this sort of small rig cage and then, but just have like a <laughs> piece of just, on it. Just, this is my mobile setup. <laughs> uh, I thought that'd be quite comical. <laughs> um, so I, I always also like to ask for a book recommendation and uh, I was really pleased to see the one that you mentioned. So it's the uh, Ikigai, the, the, uh, that, the the, uh, the the I forget the full name of it now. Ikigai, the Japanese secret um, <laughs> to a long and prosperous life, or something like that. I think it is. But tell us a little bit about that book because that's one that's close to my heart as well. And uh, what you got out of that, man? You know what's funny? It's funny you said that because as you were saying it, I was sitting here like I don't remember what book I wrote. I know I thought it was <laughs> a while ago that we booked. So I thought I'll, I'll just remind you. <laughs> yeah. So that um, so the reason I put that book honestly was because. Uh, I had joined a book club and that was the first book we were reading was, was that we found that book. And, um, and again, like you said, it's, it's about the, how the reason that I love the book so much is because the, the, the a huge basis of it is how these people live for so long in these communities. Like what are the key things that just make them have a joyous life? And I think one of the, and it's, and it's crazy for me to say this because I'm just, I am a, like, I'm a business guy and I, you know, business, the scoreboard is money. That's how you know who did better. Right. <laughs> but to read the book and to understand that a lot of these people that are living into, you know, their hundreds, it was just, you know, simple things of life. It was, you know, community and eating right. Right. And just working out and not these crazy fad diets and all this stuff. It was just like, 
we're just waking up every day. We're eating the, the food that came out the ground and we're going for a walk with our family every day. We're just having good communication. And I'm just like, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, that's what, that's what it just, that's why that book was so, so good. And so impactful to me. Um, because it's also one of the only books that I've read to me, in my opinion, that's that style. Most of the books I read are like business books, like how to yep. get money, how to think harder, do better. It's always the that. And Very formulaic like, sort of this was process. Like, just chill. <laughs> <laughs> just chill. Be positive. Like it's a good life. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we're getting close to the top of the hour and I don't want to keep you too long because I do appreciate that it is exceptionally early in the morning for you there <laughs> with the, with the, the time zone and everything like that. But um, before uh, before you do go, perhaps you can talk a little bit about uh, you know the services that you offer because I've got your uh, I can tr- pull up your website. So I've got both websites up. So there's obviously your Chris P Giles uh, website, but then also uh, Black Tie Media. So tell folks a little bit about uh, you know how you can help on on both of those fronts with with live events and with their content creation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the two sides again, you know, like you said, are live events. So if you're trying to plan a live event, whether it's a corporate event, galas, like literally any kind of live event that needs any sort of technical aspects, we can handle um, the audio, video, lighting, live streaming portion of that. And so we try to, if, if it plugs into a wall, generally we can take care of it. And so we just try <laughs> to take the ease out of it for you. Um, on the other side, on the, the creator side, and some of that is content. I, I call people, actually, I use the word creator very, very largely, right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. just the person that calls themselves a content creator, but right. you, know, you own a business, you're a creator if you own. And so what we try to do for you is take the ease of creating the back end. And so uh, we can, one, start on the front end of coaching you into where we were talking about earlier, the content strategy that you may need that would work for you based on time, because my assumption is that everybody has limited time. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece of that is that we can actually handle it for you. And so we have podcast editors, we have video editors. Um, we are going to be launching very soon, working on now, uh, where we can actually manage uh, YouTube pages. And so we'll actually manage the whole process from uh, essentially we coach you on how to record it and capture the content. And then you send it to us and we'll edit all the back end audio video, handle it on the YouTube, get it out to all the podcast platforms. And so, I'm trying to be a one-stop shop, man, for all of the content needs, you know? Oh, well, there's a, a huge demand for that. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are who are fine with actually starting to create it, but then, yeah, all of the other stuff, they just don't necessarily want the uh, the headache. So I can totally uh, appreciate and relate to all of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Any any final words of wisdom that you'd like to uh, to leave folks with in terms of uh, you know any aspect of events or content creation or anything like that? Man, my, uh, I'm going to go content creation on this one. And this is kind of, this is the thing, literally, I try to say every, everywhere I go, every time I speak, and it's start now, <laughs> start now, get the, the phone out of your pocket, you know, because <laughs> generally the phone in your pocket is probably no more than six years old. Let's say that. And anything that's six years or newer, you can go out here and shoot 4K and rock it and create content. And so just start today and stop overthinking. That's a, a great spot to uh, to wrap it up on. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming and uh, sharing your knowledge, insights and uh, wisdom. It's been uh, great catching up with you and uh, I appreciate it. It's really early in the morning there. It's almost Thanksgiving. So uh, once again, <laughs> thank you for uh, for making the effort and uh, being up at this time for us. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. 
Cool, cool. I'll chat again with you uh, very soon. Well, thanks everyone for uh, tuning in and you can find links to all the places that you can find uh, Chris at in the description, in the show notes. If you are watching on the, uh, or sorry, if you are listening, I should say, on the audio podcast, then definitely go and check out the link to watch the video and then you'll be able to see the sort of behind the scenes shots and all of the, uh, the stuff that we're talking about there and give that a little bit of context as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for watching on the live streaming in in Amazon and LinkedIn as well. We uh, stream there every time we record. So it's been uh, great to uh, be with you today and great to have uh, Chris here. And I'll be back again next week with another great guest and another great conversation. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.